Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank. And we are now through one week of the uh, Brandon Allen era with the Cincinnati Bengals. We're calling it an era? Uh, okay, you call it an era. Uh, unsuccessful uh, in the first week, uh, dropping the game against the New York Giants 19-17, bringing the Cincinnati Bengals to 2-8-1 and one on the season, Alex. I mean, 2-8-1, and one, think about it. It's I mean, fifth straight losing season. It's uh, it's kind of crazy, you know. Not you know, reflecting not only on this season but in years past, just you know how little um, success that this, that this team has had, and yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, this game was just you know, this game a few weeks ago was a crucial part in what could have been a really big winning streak for this team, but now you know with Joe Burrow out and. Uh, you know, not going to be back until 2021. It's really just an, another game, you know, chalk it up, another loss. Um, we were there, uh, so it was, we had a good time, even though the Bengals lost, but, you know. It was, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this walking out of the, the stadium yesterday and walking back to the car. Um, you know, yesterday the weather was promising at the start, wasn't very cold, but then did, didn't you notice, Justin, that the sky started to turn gray the weather started to get a little chillier. I put my winter hat on instead of my usual Bengals hat. Um, so, and then, like, you know, you have some optimism to start. Brandon Wilson with the kickoff return. We'll get to that. But then, like, the offense rolled out onto the field. They got a field goal drive. Showed some promise in the first half a little bit. But it was just it was just one of those days where, you know, you had so much promise at the start. And then the it, it, things just started becoming grayer and grayer and grayer. And, uh, of course, the Bengals lose in a way that the, only the Bengals can lose. And I don't think either of us were really expecting the Bengals to win. I mean, you, you, Brandon Allen has started three games in his career all last year. And so, you, I mean, he's pretty unproven. You don't really know where you're getting in him. Um, but you would at least have thought um, that he would have been able to muster more than 136 passing yards. I mean, that is despicable with a group like AJ Green, Tyler Boyd who's had back to back a thousand yard years and rookie uh, rookie wide receiver T Higgins who's had a phenomenal rookie year you would have thought that he would have been better than 17 of 29 136 yards one touchdown one interception I mean what this offense did yesterday was the lowest of the low I mean we we're trying to think of games where um, like we're trying to think of games where we remember the offense being as poor as it was yesterday. You know, one game that comes to mind was the Thursday night football uh, against the Browns a few years yeah. back. Um, Monday night game last year at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> really. Is well, let's, let's go through them. Uh, remember the Jacksonville game week nine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When AJ Green got in the fight? Yeah. Remember. Um, the Colts game in 2014 at Indy, losing 27 to nothing. Oh, I would argue they should have lost 41 to nothing, but that's but another story. This offense, I mean, you would have thought that they would have at least been able to get something going against a, you know, average Giants defense, um, but they just weren't able to do it. They simply were not able to do it. And you would think that with your starting star running back, Joe Mixon, out, that you would have run the ball more than 15 times. Eight of those carries going to Bernard, one to Sean Williams on the fake punt, uh, four going to Brandon, or four of those being from Brandon Allen, one from Travion Williams, and one on a jet sweep to Alex Erickson. That's embarrassing. I mean, that's an embarrassment of a game plan. And I understand Joe Mixon's out, Joe Mixon's out, but 
why isn't Travion Williams or Samaj P. Ryan getting carries? I mean, what, I mean, seriously, what are we doing here? And this was, I, I, I'm kind of saying a lot of things that Tony and Tony Pike and Mo Egger were saying on the Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN 15:30. That's normally on Mondays. By the way, I'm, I'm going through the the touchdown drive at the end of the game. Brandon Allen passing yards, 518-16. That right there is 39. Uh, and then one for a touchdown, so 40. So 40 of his, how many yards? 136. 136. So 40 of his 136 passing yards came on the final drive. So you, so you mean to tell me that, let's let's do some simple math here. We'll, we'll use a calculator because we're, we're journalism or communication students. We're not math students. Uh, 40 divided by 136 equals uh, 0.29. So 0.29 29.4% of Brandon, or Brandon, is it, I'm forgetting Brandon. his name now, Brandon Allen, I was going to say Brian or something, Brandon Allen, 29.4% of his total passing yards on the day came on that last drive. It's like when the Bengals back themselves into a corner, then they start playing hard. Oh, that's great. That's when you should start playing hard. Why can't we, why can't we play hard the entire game? It's, it, it, it was just it's just anemic yesterday to watch that to watch that performance yesterday Justin anemic uh, we look at the we, we're talking about the worst offensive performances that we've seen in Bengals history and uh, um, I'm sure there's others that we haven't mentioned yet and um, the stats from yesterday so yesterday the Bengals accrued 155 yards of offense. I'm pretty sure they accrued that many yards in the first quarter of the Colts game. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think they did, though. Um, so then they rushed for 40 yards. 40 yards. What? And they passed for 115. What is this? And you can say, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, it was Brandon Allen at under center. Joe Burrow wasn't playing. Well, that's no excuse. Did, did, did the Saints win yesterday with Taysom Hill? They did. They blew him out. <laughs> yeah. Did the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick win yesterday? Oh, and, and by the way, Justin, notice how when Tua, a star rookie, gets hurt, guess who's right on the bench waiting? Ryan Fitzpatrick. A veteran, a veteran with a plethora of experience. <gasps> Backup quarterbacks are an important part of the roster. It's called an insurance policy, and all about protecting your investment. More on that in a minute. And you think about the importance of backup quarterbacks. I mean, we talked about it at the game yesterday. I think about Teddy Bridgewater last year with the Saints, going five and zero when uh, Drew Brees was out. And did they did they shrink the playbook for him? No, no. And think about, I mean, even in college. Think about when JT Barrett goes down, and the Ohio State Buckeyes have to you know rely on Cardell Jones, and he wins them a national championship. I mean, you and, cannot. And, and, and Dominic Kudrow didn't didn't he beat the best defense in college football in the semifinals of the playoff? Yes, he did. <laughs> gladly, <laughs> gladly watching that. Um, but you cannot underestimate the importance of a backup quarterback. I mean, why is your backup quarterback Ryan Finley, and then when you actually need him to start a game, 
you bring in a practice squad guy to start over him. I mean, that makes no sense. Wouldn't you have the guy that you would want starting the next game had Joe Burrow gotten hurt to actually be the backup quarterback at the time of the injury? I mean, it makes no sense. I don't understand Zach Taylor's thought process. I mean, unless he just saw how poor Ryan Finley is in that game against Washington when he had to play and then thought that Brendan Allen was the only choice. But... You should know what you have in Ryan I Finley. He, I, wish, I wish he was like that, pulling the plug on offensive linemen like he is with Ryan Finley. I, exactly. I mean, it, I mean, it really makes <laughs> no sense. And you think about yesterday, Nick Mullins for the 49ers, with a handful of starters from the beginning of the season, going to L.A. and beat the 7-3 and three Rams. <laughs> they beat the 7-3 and three Rams on the road with a handful of starters, Missing their quarterback that started in the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl from the year prior with Nick Mullins. I mean, I just don't understand why this team cannot have. I mean, you cannot blame your lack of success on having a backup quarterback. I mean, they're there for that reason. I know that they're not the starter, but you should be able to at least rely on your backup quarterback to give you some hope. And like I mentioned, with this, you know, I, I don't know if we'd go as far to say elite wide receiving group, but you know. Definitely above average receiving group. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, you just have to shake your head. I mean, if we're not already shaking our heads already at Zach Taylor <laughs> and Brian Callahan and this organization. I mean, it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I really can't think of a time where this organization has been at a lower point than what they are right now. I mean, if you can think of one maybe last year, you know, in the during the 2-14 and 14 season, but even then, I still feel like there might have been a little well, bit of more, you know, Hope. Okay, you can say that this that this organization is at a low point right now, and I would totally agree with you. But here's the thing: we know, or at least we hope, and I think he will, that Joe Burrow is going to come back in 2021 for the start of the season. This is not. Um, this is rock bottom, but yet you you understand why it is that way. I think what I'm trying to bring up here is a moot point. Last year, last year was rock bottom, but you knew, you knew hope was coming in the in the form of Joe Burrow, and it and it helped that Mike Brown in the front office spent some money in free agency. Now I would argue they spent money in the wrong places. Yes, some acquisitions have come into fruition, like Von Bell and, and Mackenzie Alexander. Trey Waynes is hurt; we haven't seen him yet. Uh, DJ Reader's been hurt, but he's been he's been good when on the field. Xavier Suafilo has been hurt too. So you can't really say they haven't been bad signings. It's not like they're underperforming. They've just been injured. Sometimes that's just luck, I guess. I mean, yes, this organization right now. I mean, here's the thing. Look at where this organization is right now. Look at the state of the organ. Look at the state of the organization. And we'll go, and yes, I'm gonna mention big picture here because that's just what you have to do with the Bengals. Because it's the it's been the same thing. Game after game, year after year, uh, I hope I'm not going to have to say it in four year, five years, era after era, but here we are. This is an organization that yesterday clinched its fifth consecutive losing season. Its fifth consecutive losing season. What other organizations have had five straight losing seasons? I think the only one I can think of is the Jets. Maybe Cleveland? Uh, the Browns, no, because they have eight wins. 
they can lose out and and be. Are you talking about going into this year? Go, I'm talking. I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, now five straight losing seasons. Oh, I think you're counting, talking about counting overall. this season. Well, we can go overall and uh, teams that will have losing seasons. Five straight. Five straight losing seasons. Uh, the Cardinals could be in that. Actually, no. The Cardinals went eight and eight. I feel like. Jacksonville. Jacksonville went ten and six in 2017. Okay. Which is not which is a big outlier, but you get what I'm saying. Um. Not even Detroit. Carolina hasn't had five straight losing seasons. Tampa Bay, I don't think. Tampa Bay even hasn't had five straight losing seasons. The Dolphins haven't even had five straight losing seasons. The Jacksonville Jaguars. The LA Chargers. And these organizations aren't the best run organizations. So, you just clinched your fifth consecutive losing season. This is your 35th losing season in 53 seasons of Bengals football. This is also your 23rd losing season in the last 30 years. Have you thought about that? No. 20, but, I mean, that, that's an astonishing 23 stat. losing seasons in 30 years under Mike Brown. Are you kidding me? And not only that... But your franchise player, your lord and savior, your last straw for any success in this city as an organization is injured. And yesterday you roll out Brandon Allen. And 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 look, and look who you have as your head coach. A 36-year-old... Is he 36? No, he's 37. My bad. 37. 37-year-old head coach. Who is the most coach-speak head coach I've ever heard. And he says all these things? We're not seeing what he's saying on Sundays. No. What, what, what is the state of this organization? With a head coach and a coaching staff that doesn't know what they're doing. With their franchise player injured. With five straight losing seasons. And now 35 losing seasons in the last 53 years. And then 23 losing seasons in the last 30 years. What are we doing here? What are we doing? And here's, and here's the worst part about this. Another bad part about this. It used to be, you know, we used to have solace because we, we would look and say, well, at least we're better than the Browns. At least we're, the, at least we're not the worst team in our own state. <laughs> the Browns are 8-3. The Browns are 8-3. That's six more wins than the Bengals. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Say what you want about Marvin Lewis. He was a proven commodity he just didn't he just he just could not get over the hump there was an article recently justin that i, that I read about marvin lewis and the comments people were appreciating him some said they wish he wish he was still here you wouldn't have heard that two years ago but if you're gonna fire marvin lewis you're gonna hire zach taylor what has he proven and you could say, well, John Harbaugh wasn't a coordinator before he was a head coach. 
Uh, he, he's done all right. You can say, well, Joe Judge has, wasn't a coordinator. Joe Judge might be the first Bill Belichick disciple to actually succeed in this league. And he won yesterday here in Cincinnati. I don't know if I'd go as far to say Joe Judge is, you know, the first going to be, you know, the first successful disciple of Bill Belichick. But would you say that they have a direction where they're going? They have a direction. Um, there's still a lot of question marks on the Giants. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I definitely, sure. I definitely like what he's done with this team as the season has gone on. Um, but that's beside the point. You know, I think the whole point with the Marvin Lewis, you know, appreciation is you don't know what you have until it's gone. That you know, it's kind of that deal. It's and, uh, it's good song, you know, it's Marvin Lewis's floor is, I mean, we're seeing now Marvin Lewis's floor is a lot higher than Zach Taylor's floor. I mean, when Marvin Lewis was at his worst, I think is still significantly better than if Zach Taylor is at his worst. Yes. And I understand that what, what, the, what the Bengals were doing is when they were, you know, getting ready to hire a new head coach and they find Zach Taylor and he's, a, you know, on the um, Sean McVay coaching tree and you hope that maybe he could have the success that Sean McVay had with the Rams when he first got there. Um, but that's a diamond in the rough. You know, that's a needle in a haystack. You know, it, you're not going to find that very often, if ever. Um, and it, at what point do you say enough is enough? Because at, at this point, do we even, we can't definitively say if we think the organization is going to move on from Zach Taylor in the offseason. Because ex our experience with Marvin Lewis was that, you know, He'll probably get a three-year extension or something like you know something crazy like that at the end of the season. That I mean, it's so unpredictable with Mike Brown and this organization because you know it's almost like they value losing. You know, they'll say you know we value consistency. What well, so you value you value consistent losing? I mean, that's that's basically what the organization is saying yeah. because the only way I'll, I'll respect this organization uh, and Mike Brown is if they fire Zach Taylor immediately, and if that doesn't happen, they fire. Uh, him as soon as the offseason hits and as soon as the season is over and even if they don't fire him they'd have to have a massive overhaul of this coaching staff and roster for you know any success to be in the near future because as much as you want to say that like we have these guys returning from injury uh, you know this organization has had a long history of injuries you know these freak crazy injuries that always impact the season um, so you can't really, you can't really just bet on guys returning from injury and no other guys, you know, important guys to this team getting hurt because, you know, if you go off other seasons, that's something that's going to happen. Um, and there's just no hope in sight. I mean, for most of the other organizations, at least they have some direction, you know, you constant, constantly say, Alex, you know, what, there's no identity to this team, you know, no. other teams, even in their worst, they still have some form of identity. They still have some form of you know, a guy that can turn this team around, you know, coaching-wise. Um, but Zach Taylor's just not the guy. He's just not the guy. And to think that they pass on a guy like Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, to hire a guy like Zach Taylor, I mean, it just, <laughs> you shake your head and you roll your eyes and you just... And the fact know. that he is still available should be a gift to this Bengals organization because that's who I want to lead this team. I think you want. I, th I think he's your top candidate as well. Oh, easily, easily. I mean, with the what he's. I mean, we saw it yesterday. You know, Patrick Mahomes finished with what, like four hundred and thirty yards. Four hundred and sixty-two. Tyreek Hill had two hundred yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter against one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. If that's not telling you something, that I don't know what is. 
The game did. I mean, they only won by three, but still, the amount of that's because you're playing Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the amount of talent and the amount of, I mean, it's crazy to say right now that most people can probably definitively definitively say that they think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. That's how good they are through eleven games, and they're not even the and they're not even the best team record wise in their conference. No, and <laughs> to think that they're just one game against the Raiders away from being undefeated. I mean. Eric Bieniemy has got to be the most, um, you know, sought-out uh, head coaching candidate this offseason. I mean, he's he's got to be. And if the Bengals were to go out and make a move and get Eric Bieniemy, that would change change my whole thought process about this organization. If they were to go out and get a guy like Eric Bieniemy to coach this team and lead this team and trust him with finding the talent that's going to lead this team to a Super Bowl, I would have <laughs> no problem. I would go to every single game. Um, but with Zach Taylor, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on the guy because we do it every single week. But, um, you know, you just have to work with what you have. And right now, Zach Taylor, he's using that as an excuse. I mean, he's harping on the guys not making catches, his wide receivers not making catches and not making enough plays for the backup quarterback. You should put some blame on the backup quarterback. When you come, after, when you come out after the game and lose to the New York Giants at home, and the first thing you say is that Brandon Allen's going to be the starter next week against Miami. I mean, you really have that much trust in him. I mean, you really believe in Brandon Allen that much. I mean, it's just. And it, and it was. It, what, it was is, what are we doing? What are was, we doing? It was him saying it after the game. Did he even have a chance to watch the film yesterday? Because I, from from where we were sitting, I saw Brandon Allen make some very questionable decisions. Why are you throwing the ball? to certain receivers. Like, there was one play where he had Drew Sample wide open, and he waited two seconds too long, and then I don't know where he threw the ball. I, I forget. But it's down I, the field to AJ. Yes, down the field to AJ Green. Drew Burrow, Drew Burrow struggled to hit AJ Green downfield. And now, you're, you're, Brandon Allen's going to do that? No, it, it, it doesn't make any sense here what we're doing. And we talk about, you bring up a great point, Justin, this organization is a consistent losing organization. Marvin Lewis was this franchise's only hope. That's why they gave him the extensions that they did. Now I kind of see why they gave him that two-year extension at the end of the 2017 season. Did I agree with it? No. But at the same time, you know, but again, it, it goes back to continuity. But continuity is one thing, but other organizations that have continuity, they have continuity at a great level. Look at the Steelers. They've had three head coaches the last 40 seasons. You know why? Because they've been consistently good. Uh, think about uh, what's another organization like the Packers year in year out chances are you're going to get a team that's flashy that's their identity okay like Green Bay struggles when they play teams who are physical but they at least have an identity that they're going to be talented all over the field and they're going to have the coaching necessary to win them a bunch of games and by the way they have a great connection with their fan base I get so jealous when I see like eighty thousand fans at Lambeau Field, and like, and by the way, um, they're owned by the city. So everyone, everyone who lives in Green Bay owns a share of the Packers. They don't have an actual owner. Oh, but they do have a GM, and he's done a pretty good job building this roster. Um, so that's that's one area. And then we look at like Brandon Allen. It's no excuse. There's no excuse for losing this game. And Zach Taylor, like, if you want to say that. You know, Wednesday that Brandon Allen is the starter, fine. But for, but for but to come out and say after the game that yeah he did enough. What? I'm on the I'm on the bench. You a high school coach wouldn't have said that. Let alone 
let alone a NFL head coach. And by the way, Cincinnati has some of the best high school football in the country. If the Bengals were good, you would know about that. Oh, you would know about that on a much larger scale than you already do. And, and, and I guarantee you, around the country, people know that this is a hotbed for football, Cincinnati, Cincinnati high school football. So let's go, let's go through um, some of the teams that have had quarterback injuries recently and their backup quarterbacks and how they perform. Because this is really interesting, that you can actually win with a backup quarterback. The Saints, as you mentioned earlier, Justin, Drew Brees goes down. Who comes in? Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, prior to arriving in New Orleans, had led a team to a division title. A division title. And had it not been for one of the most egregious missed kicks in NFL playoff history, would have at least one playoff win. Teddy Bridgewater goes 5-0. 5-0. Saints were written off. Guess what? They finished 13-3. Five wins for Teddy Bridgewater. The Eagles, Carson Wentz goes down. In the midst of an MVP season, MVP caliber season, Nick Foles, another division title winning quarterback, and he leads the Eagles to a Super Bowl championship, throwing for over 350 yards in both the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Imagine what giving the playbook to your quarterback can do and having confidence. And Doug Peterson, true story, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles sat down and... Actually, I don't remember the story, but like something about how they sat down and they watched like every single snap of Nick Foles from 2013, and they just said, "Okay, what works for you?" Imagine what you know actually coaching can do for you. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, the Cowboys. Dak Prescott goes down. Who's waiting? Andy Dalton. Say which one about Andy Dalton? Four. Playoff starts, two division titles, five winning seasons, has Bengals franchise records. Proven commodity. A proven commodity. And they and by the way, Justin, they spent money in the offseason to grab him. Three days after no, I'm sorry, two days after the Bengals released him. Because here's the thing. These teams value the backup quarterback position and they're protecting their investment. They're thinking, hmm, what if our quarterback goes down? What if? And you can say, well, we're not going to think about that. Well, no crap, you're not going to think about it. You shouldn't. But you have to ask yourself, what if? You have to have contingency plans. Period. The Cowboys asked themselves that question and they landed Andy Dalton. Uh, Washington this season. Remember when Dwayne Haskins was the starter? <laughs> Week one. <laughs> They're now on to, oh, Alex Smith. Who has been to a conference championship game and had it not been for two punt return blunders. Might have been, might have won a, might have been in a Super Bowl. And he also went to five playoff appearances with Kansas City. Again, Proven commodity. Indianapolis. Andrew Luck retires before the start of last season abruptly. Who was waiting in the wings? Jacoby Brissett. Maybe not as proven, but hey, the Colts still won seven games. Uh, Carolina. 
Cam Newton goes down. Kyle Allen, not bad. By the way, they also had Derek Anderson a few years prior when Cam Newton went down. Derek Anderson, proven backup quarterback. Uh, New England. They lost uh, Tom Brady in the offseason to free agency. And all Tom Brady did was win six Super Bowls and do a whole bunch of other things. And guess who they went out and got? Cam Newton. And you can say what you want about them. Um, yeah, they're five and six. They've won three of their last four games. They also have a good head coach. His name is Bill Belichick. Uh, Pittsburgh. Remember, Big Ben goes down in 2015. Guess who was his, Guess who was the backup quarterback? Michael Vick. A proven commodity. At one point, we thought he was going to usher in a new era in the NFL. And Pittsburgh won games with him. Oh, and then, last year, Big Ben goes down. And they're on their fourth string quarterback, Justin. And how many games did they win? Seven? Was it seven? Eight. Eight. Eight games. At one point, they were in the fifth spot for the playoffs. Imagine that. Houston. Um, why did I put that? Oh, yeah. Remember 20, uh, 2015, they beat the Bengals here in Cincinnati? The Thursday Night Football game? Yes. That was bad. I was at that game. They used four different quarterbacks last year, or that year, and still won the division. You were at that Monday night game? I was at that Thursday night, the Texans Thursday night game. Well, I was talking about 2015 when they beat us on Monday night football. Well, was that when we started 8-0? Yes. Yeah, or I was not at that, at that game. I was going to go to that game, but I decided not to. I think I made a good decision. That was TJ Yates who started that game, right? T- yeah, TJ Yates. Oh, um... You know, 2011, good, good, good segue there, Justin. See, so 2011, Max Schomps, the starter, he goes down. The backup quarterback, he goes down. T.J. Yates, they won a playoff game. Against the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, against the Bengals. It's such a wonder that backup quarterbacks actually thrive in this league. Or can. It's called Coaching. It was very telling, Justin, in that when Zach Taylor was trying to fire the team up and Joe Burrow goes down, you saw all the players just walk away casually. They had just been defeated. Like, they had just lost a family member. Like, they had just lost a war. Like, they were fighting for their country and they had just lost a war. And that shows that this team is not bought in. And you can say, oh, well, the Bengals played hard yesterday. Um, Okay, so see... One thing they show now this year at the Bengals games is they show the team walking out of the locker room. And I noted to you yesterday when we saw that video, they looked like they did not want to be there. And this is not on the road. This is at home. In a stadium, by the way, that needs some major upgrades. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, if, if, if their if they're, if they're out-of-town scoreboard is 10 minutes or 15 minutes behind... I mean, heck, the Reds out-of-town scoreboard is up-to-date, like, like that. And the Bengals can't do that? <sighs> I mean, I, th- I think, honestly, like, going to a game is really a reflection of how this organization views its fan base. Like, 
they don't value the fan base. I mean, they don't value winning. They don't value the thoughts and opinions and all the, you know, the time and effort and tears and uh, like that this, these fans have put into this team, you know, th- throughout their entire, the entirety of the organization. Quite frankly, I mean, lifelong Bengals fans, I mean, every single year, you know, good or bad, you know, they're attending these games. They have diehard fans just like any other NFL team. And you're basically just saying that we don't care about you. We don't care what you mean to this organization because without the, if there are no fans, there would be no team. And Mike Brown is basically just, you know, smacking the fans in the face saying, you know, we don't care about you. Um, and, you know, it's a ter- I don't like, I don't want this to come off like as, as bad as it might sound, but like, when will the Bengals be run like an actual organization? I mean, is it, will it be Mike? Not a family run business. Will it be Mike Brown passing away? Like, I mean, like, that's honestly like something that I think in my head, like when he passes away, is it going to be Katie Blackburn running the organization or is she going to be smart enough to hand over the keys to someone that can actually have success with this team and run it like an NFL team, not just a family business? I mean, as much as that might sound terrible, but like we really have to think about things like that because... You, you think about in the future, and something I've always heard since I've been a Bengals fan, Bengals fan since like 2009, 2010. You know, we're gonna we're gonna win the Super Bowl eventually. We're gonna have success, and when it comes, like the actual fans are gonna be here. You know, the you know the fake fans when they were good from 2011 to 2015. If there were any actual fake fans, I don't know if anyone's gonna bandwagon the Bengals. Um, you know, but like the actual fans are going to stay there. Through Joe Burrow will bring fans into the stands yeah, next year. Yeah, through thick and thin. Like no matter how bad the Bengals are this year, no matter what the record is, like Joe Burrow being back in 2021 is going to fill those seats. But like, as much as I want to believe that this team is going to have success and you know win a Super Bowl, you know at some point in my life, it's just like, how much more do I have to invest into this team and realize that like that's probably not very you know, that's not going to happen anytime soon, you know, unless something, you know, crazy happens, something drastic happens, but I don't, I just don't see it because I remember from 2011 to 2015, I thought these Bengals were good enough to at least make an AFC championship and they lose in the wild card every single year. I mean, (laughs) as good as it might be at some points, it's never good enough because this team is never going to value winning like other organizations do. Not like the Steelers, not like the Ravens, not like the Packers, not like the Saints. Mike Brown is fine with what's going on right now. I mean, I really don't believe that Mike Brown is thinking in his head right now, oh man, well, you know, I think we should lay off Zach Taylor. I think we're going to go out and bring in this guy as our interim, or not as an interim, but like as the replacement head coach. He's going to be able to do these things because we saw him do it with another team so and we knew he had success there so we're gonna bring him in and you know he's gonna do the same things here i just don't think that's how he thinks i don't think that's like i he just doesn't think like i honestly think at some points that it's so it's so frustrating because i think in my head like i feel like i would know what to do better than mike brown does like i really feel like if i were the gm of the cincinnati Bengals, i would be smart enough to say the Bengals need to go out and get this guy because he's proven with this team and they've done so many great things like eric b and that offense is the most potent offense in the last 10 15 years of the entire nfl and not only that, he's a former Bengals player. 
I mean, it was funny yesterday when Brandon Wilson had that 103 uh, yard return uh, kick for a touchdown. It was like that was a um, longest play since Eric Bieniemy, and you just kind of think like, you know, I wish that guy was our head coach. And you know, I, I think in my head, it's like I know what moves to make, but you know, it's like you almost think like I know better than Mike Brown does. But I mean, do you think that same way? Like, how? Do yes. You, I mean it. It seems That's so not easy. A good thing. It seems so easy. It seems so easy. Like there are other organizations where you know they they might have missed a draft pick, they might have missed out on a free agent, but at least they've done a lot of other good things. Like you think about, you know, the Ravens, and I mean they used to have Ozzie Newsom as their GM, and he was tremendous. And and then now Eric DaCosta has built this roster that, you know, yeah they're having some struggles this season, but hey, I mean they're they're still a good football team. And I look at. The Raiders and Mike Mayock, they've built a you know a strong football team. I'm saying that even though they lost 43-6 to yesterday to the Falcons. But, I mean, there are these teams that are out there that are just tremendous, that, that are just, you know, relentless with drafting and free agency. I'm trying to, I, mean, I mean, I can probably, you can probably name me any organization. I can tell you what they've done and why they, that makes them a great organization. Like, I'm thinking about, you know, so the Bengals played the Dolphins this week. Um, last year, Miami was, you know, at the start of the season, they lose 59-10 and 43-0. And you can say, that team is tanking. And yes, they were. Tank for Tua. Now, ultimately, they finished 5-11. and They won five of their last nine games. And because of Tua's injury, he gets bumped down to the fifth pick in the draft. The Dolphins ultimately get Tua Tagovailoa. And this year, they're 7-4. 7-4. Brian Flores has got that team completely bought in. If I'm a Dolphins fan right now, I'm feeling really good. Because we're going we're gonna to win on Sunday, and then we get a marquee game in Miami against Kansas City. And they may not win that game. But, hey, you know what? If they go out there and they play with Kansas City, I don't think they will. But if they do, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling great about that team. It's like, and I was reading this earlier. I'll mention this again on Friday. Brian Flores, after going 5-11 last year, in a season where they really weren't supposed to really win any games, he's, he, they fired, he got rid of multiple assistant coaches. See ya, see ya, see ya. Not only, I mean, the Dolphins were having success at the end, towards the end of the season, and he still got rid of coaches who he thought, hmm, he's not going to be good long term for us. Why haven't we got rid of Zach Taylor? He's four twenty two and one. He's four twenty two and one. At least Marvin Lewis. We talk about the front office. Marvin Lewis masked a lot of what the front office did not do. Because Marvin knew what to do to win. He just sometimes did not do some he just not did not make some good coaching decisions. And that's fine, other coaches make you know bad decisions too. But now it's like <laughs> the front office, we've we've known they've been a problem for a long time. And now the head coach is a problem because he can't get the team he can't get the team to buy in. And like you mentioned it yesterday, like we were on when we were on our way back from the game, you're like saying how you know, I really wish that I could sit in on a uh, Bengals interview with a, you know, um, guy that could be the head coach. 
um, you know, what kind of questions do they ask them? And they and you said, I really want to know if they ask them, who are you going to bring in? Like, who's going to be your offensive coordinator? Who's going to be your defensive coordinator? Um, what guys are you thinking about? And, I, and I'm sure they probably do ask something uh, along those lines. You know, I'm sure they probably leave it to them to figure out who's the best guy at that position. And, uh, you know, thinking about Mike Brown is like they value, um, you know, they value like guys that have been with this organization. They value guys who have, um, you know, been on this roller coaster. You know, they, they, it, just like bringing in a guy like Andre Smith last year, a guy who was with this team uh, for, you know, however many years it was. Um, and he's <laughs> two separate stints prior to the third stint last year. Yeah. And like bringing him in just shows that like, instead of going for a guy that like might actually be a young guy who could, you know, if he comes in and he starts and he actually has some success as a guy that might want to keep at like a offensive line position for some time, but no, they bring in Andre Smith just because I feel like they know him. They know, you know, they've known him and he's been with this organization before and it's just the easiest thing to do. Um, and like the same thing with Zach Taylor. He just brings in guys that he knows. He brings in guys that he's had experience with. But the thing is, that experience hasn't been good. You know, when he was with Lou Anarumo in Miami, I mean, they weren't good. I mean, no. and it's like, I don't know if Mike Brown and his organization value the fact that Zach Taylor values like the same, you know, bringing in guys that he's familiar with. Or is that just something that just happened to come about? Because Zach Taylor hired Lou Anarumo so fast and he made him his defensive coordinator like within a matter of I don't even know how many days it was or weeks it was once he became head coach. Like it, it wasn't was a few. It was a few weeks because remember they were pursuing Dennis Allen. He turned it down. Maybe he knew something. Yeah, I mean I just don't feel like they were very thorough with their um, with their the prospects that they wanted to bring in. So of course they just finished. They you know they finalized a deal with a guy who you know Zach Taylor has had um, you know some familiarity with, but. It, they've had no success when they were together. So it's just like, what, what are we doing? Um, you know, I've, we've asked that question throughout the entire season. It's just like, what are we doing? Because you want so bad for, for this team and this organization to do the same things that every other successful organization has done. Um, because you see how happy their fans are. You see what that fan base, you know, on a week to week basis, they're filling up the stadium. You know, they have smiles on their faces and they're always seem to be there through the thick and thin, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And, and we don't know. We don't know what that feels like. No, I we mean, don't know what that feels like. Because how many times from 2011 to 2015, it's like, oh my God, this team is having good success. Maybe other than 2015, like the other years, like you're like, oh, this team has had success, but are they gonna do anything with it? Because they haven't shown they have in the past. 2015 felt different. Yeah, and Any Dalton goes down. That's a logical question, though. To wonder if you know if they're going to be able to do anything with it, and other teams have been like that too. Like the Eagles, for years prior to winning the Super Bowl, it was like, okay, they're really good, but you know what's going to happen when they get to the playoffs? But at least the Philadelphia Eagles, like, you know, I'm thinking. I mean, Andy Reid, Hall of Fame head coach. They had great players come through that organization. I mean, they have one of the most passionate fan bases in the in the entire National Football League. At least, and, and, and oh, by the way, it helps when you win playoff games, not once every 30 years. Like, okay, they, that's a well, that's a well-run franchise. That's a well-run franchise. And they have a great connection with the, with the city. Like, and we don't know, we don't know what that feels like. We don't like, I want to have some pride. I want to, I want it to feel like it's cool to be a Bengals fan. That's what it was at the start of the Marvin Lewis era. Because you think about, you know, 
Here's the, here's the Bengals organization. Paul Brown's the owner for, or the head coach, then the owner until 1990, uh, or really, 1990. 11 winning seasons and 23, 11 winning seasons and 23 seasons. That's fine. For an expansion franchise, that's fine. Okay. Two Super Bowl appearances, five playoff wins. I can live with that. But ever since then, all, all the Bengals have done is they're still stuck in 1990. No connection with the fan base, a stadium that's outdated, um, a, a whole hoist of other problems. And yes, Marvin Lewis was that was that guy who brought them out of irrelevancy. That's fine. He did. But they never did. They never built anything off of that. And here's the thing, Justin. Here's here's the thing. Let's go back to the backup quarterback situation. When Carson Palmer went down in that playoff game 15 years ago, and it, and, and it's felt like ever since that the Bengals have played like a scared team. They're scared something's going to happen. You can't play like that. Tom Brady tore his ACL and then won three Super Bowls after that. Carson Wentz, it might be the same way there. Okay, who else? Um, Patrick Mahomes. He went down last year. I mean, he's about as fearless of a competitor as you're ever going to see. Drew Brees has had injuries. Okay. Saints. I've still won a lot of games the last two years. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think of who else, has, who else has had a... Which other organizations had a catastrophic injury to a very important player and that they haven't played scared? Oh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger has had some injuries. Mm, yeah, well, the Steelers... You think they? You think they have any ounce of fear in their organization? No. Um, okay. So Carson Palmer goes down that playoff game, and who comes in? John Kitna, nine-year veteran, excellent. The Bengals were up seventeen-seven at the half. They could have won that game, but then Mike Brown. After an 11-5 season, Palmer played really well, led the AFC in touchdown passes that year, decides, you know what? We're going to let John Kidna walk in free agency. And we're going to give Carson Palmer no insurance behind him. What? It's one thing to go all in on your franchise quarterback, but you have to have contingency plan. You have to have a contingency plan. Carson Palmer thought when he got his contract extension after the 05 season that they were going to get a GM, that they were going to hire John Kidna. Well, here we are 15 years later and the same situation has happened. And this was talked about today on the Tony and Mo football show. The time now to actually hire a GM not named Duke Tobin, who's actually the director of player personnel and considered the de facto GM. We don't, we don't need any de facto we need a GM, a G and an M. Not anything in front of GM, just GM. Anyone. We need someone who can run this organization. And considering that Joe Burrow is on a rookie deal, we know who Joe Burrow is. I've already said who, what Joe Burrow is. I've already hyped him up to being this Lord and Savior, last straw, whatever he is. Wouldn't that attract any GM? 
we're going to attract any head coaching candidate in the offseason to come coach Joe Burrow? This offseason is the most critical offseason in Bengals franchise history. Because of all the cynicism, of all the cynicism that they have caused, if that's the right cynicism, cynicism, whatever it is, um, I should know this, that they have caused the last 30 years, and, and the fact that they actually have Joe Burrow, he's heard. That's another story. But he's going to come back. He's going to be all right. Because the difference, the difference between him and Palmer, or, or I'm sorry, like a guy like RG3, is that Joe Burrow doesn't have to be a run-first quarterback. No, he can throw from the pocket. We've seen it. Carson Palmer was the same way. That's why he came back and he was great. Joe Burrow is, I think, going to be the same way. But what we need to surround him with every single piece of talent, coaching, front office. We can't fail him. This offseason is the most critical offseason in Bengals franchise history. And that's why, yes, they've hit rock bottom. But you know that there should hopefully be activity in the offseason. Uh, and like... You talk about this as being the most important um, offseason Bengals history, and think about what think about like before we drafted Joe Burrow. Think about like draft day or the day before draft day, and I can't remember if it was the day before or the day of, but you remember hearing how Mike Brown sent a letter. I don't know if it was handwritten or typed or what it was to Joe Burrow and his family. When's the last time you heard about a, a letter being written to the family of the guy that you're about to pick? Because you know that the guy that you're about to pick is about to alter your franchise in the most positive direction that you could have imagined. And he has. And he has. And he played, what, he started eight games? Eight, Ten games. Ten games. Ten games. And we are already saying that Joe Burrow is every single last thing that we thought he was going to be. <laughs> and everything that we knew that he could be. And he is that. And if, and if the Bengals this offseason don't come out and put every single last resource that they have toward putting Joe Burrow in the most successful, um, just getting, putting him in the, most, in the position to be the most successful that he can be, then you know, I think the, these fans have a reason to just say, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Because we all know what Joe Burrow is. We all know what Joe Burrow can do for this organization. But it, it's not just Joe Burrow. It's the offensive line. It's the defense. It's the receivers. It's every single other aspect of this team that's going to make this team a Super Bowl winning organization. But that's only if Mike Brown decides that he's going to take action. Fire Zach Taylor. Unless Zach Taylor comes out and they blow out every single team that they play for the rest of the year, then I do not want Zach Taylor to be our head coach next season. The only other... The only other um, option that I would say, if he doesn't fire Zach Taylor, is the rest of the coaching staff has to go, and we bring except in, for Darren Simmons. Except for Darren Simmons, he, the the majority of the uh, the coaching staff, offensive line, Jim Turner, Lou Anarumo, Brian Callahan. I mean, he doesn't even play call plays. So I mean, that's get rid of him. Get rid of him. There's better options. There's there's better options. Brian, Joe Brady, Steve Ensminger. Yeah, Joe Brady. Think about a guy that's had uh, you know history with Joe Burrow. Bring him in. Why not? Put as much money as you can toward the offensive line. Go out and get a guy like Joe Tooney. Go out and get a guy like Brandon Scherf. Let AJ walk and clear a broom to sign another huge impact defensive lineman. Bring in a huge impact corner. 
Bring back WJ3. Bring back Mackenzie Alexander. Bring back all, uh, Josh Bynes because these guys have had success with this team. But Josh Bynes played well yesterday. Yeah, he did. I think he was our highest graded uh, player yesterday. Um, he played great. And for a 30-year-old veteran, um, what I'm trying to say is that like seven tackles, we, we have to do everything in our power I'm saying we as if we're part of the organization. We have to do everything in we our should power. Sh- we should be. The Bengals have to do everything in their power to put Joe Burrow in the most successful spot that he can be. Because, especially when you're coming back from an injury, I don't, I don't know if it's in Joe Burrow's blood, but you, know, you might be scared. You might be a little hesitant. I mean, if you think it, Joe Burrow's fearful of that? I mean, if you're... Uh, you know, tear ACL, MCL, and have a bunch of ligament damage 10 games in because this offensive line can't block for him and nothing is done, I'd be scared. But you have to make him not scared. You have to make him know that we, you know, we care about you and we want you to have success. And so that's what you're going to do by bringing a guy like Joe Tooney, bringing a guy like Penny Sewell in the draft. <laughs> Bring in all that you can. What I'm trying to say is that, like, Joe Burrow is our only is the only hope that this team has right now. And we, we preached it all year and Joe Burrow is going to win us a Super Bowl, but it's not just him. That's why it's a team sport. It's not basketball. It's not baseball. It's not individualistic. It's a team sport because Joe Burrow, you can't just rely on Joe Burrow to throw the ball to him, throw the ball up in the air to himself. He has to have guys around him who are going to make plays. And if, if we just don't do anything the off season, then, you know, it's just, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. That's like the that like thinking about that right now. It makes me so nervous and anxious just to think that this team has a possibility to not do anything and put us in the exact same spot as we were last year. And you can't do that. And and you just can't you do can't. that. You can't. I don't. And I think Mike Brown knows that because he was active in this offseason. He true. was. And you can say that that they don't care about winning. I I I, I still think they do. They just don't do what they need to do to win. Um, by the way, I was going to say this. You know, when we got rid of Jake Dolgala and we only let we only had Ryan Finley on the roster as a backup quarterback. I mean, that, that's that, that's just you just simply can't do that. You need a proven backup quarterback. Why can't you go out there and sign a quality backup? And here's the other thing too. Here's the other thing too, Justin. Think about. So, the Bengals last year had 11 games scoring 20 or fewer points. This year, they have six games scoring at least 23 points. Who's that because of? Burrow. Thank you. It's not Zach Taylor. It's Joe Burrow. The Bengals, the Bengals aren't even in the Browns games without Joe Burrow. That's the Browns I'm talking about, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're not up 21-0 to begin with if it's not for Joe Burrow. They don't beat Tennessee without Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, that's all you need to know. They don't beat Jacksonville without Joe Burrow. Put it to you that way. That's how valuable Joe Burrow is. And it's, 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 it's not Zach Taylor. The reason why the Bengals were much better offensively against the Colts the week after the Ravens game. No, that's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is so good that he can bounce back a week after a performance against the Ravens and come out looking really good against the Colts. And he doesn't need Zach Taylor to do it. That's how good Joe Burrow is. But we need a head coach who can elevate that talent. 
around him. That's what we need here. That's why this offseason is going to be the most the most critical offseason in Bengals franchise history. I mean, I mean, look at look at the position, look at the position they're in right now. Yesterday was so comical to watch that team play. It's like, what are they? Where are they going? I mean, Zach Taylor's going to finish his Bengals tenure, hopefully at least, at 427-1. and That's disgusting. Marvin Lewis never had fewer than four wins in a season. I'll put it to you that way. And through his first two seasons, 16-16. and 16, And then won 11 games the next year. I mean, I don't think that, you know, you talk about Joe Burrow being how great he is, and, you know, we all know that. And, you know, you needed a head coach to elevate him. You need a head coach to push him even further because as great as you can be, you need a head coach to even, you, you need to push that. Patrick Mahomes, I'm sure, would be a great quarterback if he didn't have Andy Reid. But with Andy Reid, he's a... He has the ability to be like Tom Brady. He has the ability to win six Super Bowls like Brady. They have the ability to do that, and it, it, that just shows how important it is for a, a young quarterback and a head coach to have um, trust in each other, you know, faith in each other, and uh, trust in what they're doing a, a, as a team overall. So, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play this little song here that's gonna sum up, you know, what it's. Uh, <laughs> like to be a Bengals fan right now sort of and the you know what we hope happens this offseason leading into the future so this is called uh, what it takes to win and it, of course it is uh, written by my all-time favorite band journey so here 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 it comes I want you all to listen to this Now you hear those lyrics, and like, there's been so much losing. Hopefully now this front office knows what it takes to win in this league. And if Joe Burrow is going to prove that he's the best to ever do what he does, and I mean, he's got the confidence to, that, I mean, that quote when he says, when I'm the GOAT, I'm going to get that call, referring to the hit from Malik Jackson. <laughs> That's confidence. I want that guy as my franchise quarterback. Oh, we have him, by the way. And go the distance. Winning the Super Bowl. That's what I hope happens. Yeah, that was, a nice, that was a nice little send off by Journey. I mean, I completely agree with everything you have to say. And it's the fact that we know we have the opportunity. It's just a matter of, you know, taking that and uh, moving forward with it and doing everything in your uh, power that you can to have success moving forward. Um, well, this was it for the Bearcast Media Bengals recap show. I'm Justin Cashman. He is Alex Frank. Um, they, we have Miami this weekend. So we will talk to you guys on Friday. Yes, Look we will. To that. And I'll talk to you guys soon. We'll send it off with the song itself. This will go right to the 60-minute mark. It's a good song, isn't it? I was lifting to this song earlier today. This is a great song. Journey's and a great I, I was thinking about you know a, a hype video with Joe Burrow in it. 
Oh, it was it, it got good in the weight room today. Simply put, 